On this episode of the Ball Talk Pod with Evan Kinser, Christian Dudley of Bill Street Bears joined the show to talk all things Memphis Grizzlies and the possibility of the return of the Kentucky Colonels. This is the Ball Talk Pod with Evan Kinser, starting now. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Ball Talk Pod. As always, this is your host, Evan Kinser, and today I'm joined by Christian Dudley of Bill Street Bears. Christian, thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me, Evan. I actually met Christian at the Big Three in Indianapolis when we were both covering the event, and it was my first time actually going to an event as a reporter. Christian helped me out and showed me around the arena, and that would really help me feel more comfortable. So thank you so much for helping me with that. That was very kind of you. No problem. Anytime. I know that not too long ago I was in your position, too. Yeah. It was a, I was a little bit nervous for it, but thanks a lot for helping me. I really appreciated it. I've since you joined a podcast in the last few days talking about the new additions of the Utah Jazz after they acquired former Grizzlies Jeff Green and Mike Conley Jr. this summer, and I would like to do the same thing. The Lakers signed Avery Bradley this summer after his short stint with the Grizzlies after appearing in only 14 games played. What are the Lakers getting in Bradley? Well, Bradley's one player that I was kind of hoping the Grizzlies would be able to keep. I know that uh, they're starting to rebuild. Uh, veterans don't matter as much as these young players and developing them, but uh, he played so well after that uh, trade halfway through the season. Once he landed with the Grizzlies, it's like he found his mojo again, uh, kind of like uh, back with the Boston Celtics when he really made a name for himself in the league. After he left the Celtics, he was kind of, you know, he lost his offense. He wasn't shooting well from outside. Um, even his defense was kind of suspect, too, once he was with uh, the Pistons and also the Clippers. Um, both of those fan bases were always talking bad about him uh, because they're like, okay, so what does he even add to the team? Um, he can't shoot the ball. Uh, he's not playing well on defense. Like, he's just a, a big dud out there. But once he got to Memphis, he really showed that, yeah, he can contribute, and I think he'll really do well with the Lakers this year. Now he kind of uh, you know, hit that springboard and got back on the right track. Um, but what the Lakers are getting in Bradley is a good veteran. Uh, you know, you won't have to worry about locker room issues with him. If anything, he's going to keep the guys intact in the locker room because uh, he has been on some high-caliber teams such as the Celtics, uh, even the Clippers here in their better days. Uh, even back when he was with the Pistons, uh, they had some decent players there too, such as Andre Drummond. Um, but, you know, he's been around the league for a while now. I've uh, been in the league for quite a few years. Uh, he's just a good veteran to have on the team, but he is one of those lockdown defenders. Uh, he's kind of like Tony Allen for those that, uh, you know, that name rings a bell too, uh, especially myself covering the Grizzlies for so many years now. But, uh, you know, he's always going to be there willing to defend the other team's best score, especially on the perimeter. Uh, he's going to hustle. That's one thing that I was really uh, impressed with during his time with the Grizzlies for a few games. Uh, he was always diving on uh, on the court after loose balls, uh, hustling every possession. Uh, no matter what the score was, whether the Grizzlies were up by 10 uh, or if it was a close game or the Grizzlies were getting blown out, uh, he was always diving on the floor, always trying to contribute. Uh, but one of the biggest things also is that he found his shot from outside. Um, he had a few games where he made several threes. Um, and I think there was one game where he had like 19 points in the first half, and that was really surprised, especially for a player that – is mostly known for defense only, yeah. um, and at best a three and D type player. But he was creating his own shot. Um, it's like it, something just flipped the switch for him, and so it was really great. But that's why I wish that 
perhaps he could have been at the end of the bench for the Grizzlies this up, uh, upcoming season. But it will be nice to see him compete for a championship in L.A. because he is a good guy off the court, too. Yeah, and I think this situation for the for Avery Bradley is a lot better than what it was with the Clippers and the Pistons. Uh, he spoke a little bit about it and said this is a lot like with the Celtics. He just has to worry about cutting and knocking down open shots. So I'm really excited to see that. And it, that is really interesting how he really uh, flipped the switch when he went from the Clippers to the Grizzlies. He was only averaging about nine points a game with the Clippers, and all the fans were hating on him and saying, who is this guy? Why does, why is he starting? Uh, and then he goes to the Grizzlies and starts averaging 16 points a game. He even shot 92% from the line and shot 38 from three. Um, this is... If the Lakers can get the Memphis Grizzlies over Bradley, I think they've got a really good player in their hands, and I think it'd be a very bargain deal with only about $4 million contract. Um, why do you think that the fl- uh, the switch flipped with Bradley? It's not um, it's a younger team. I know he'd get more shots, but he, he was a lot more efficient. Why do you think that could be the case? I think a big part of it is the way the Grizzlies play, it's always defense first, even though it's not necessarily the grit and grind era. Um, it's still defense first. Uh, the way that the coaching staff last season, even though it is overhauled now, uh, the whole mentality was worry about defense and then make those defensive stops turn into points on the other end. And that really fits into what made Avery Bradley such a good player in the league back in Boston. Uh, those Boston days, they were known for the defense. And then I think that he wasn't as good uh, with the Clippers and also the Pistons uh, just because it was a different game plan. There was a lot more three-point shooting. Um, it was a lot faster pace, uh, different coaching styles there. Of course, yeah, he did wind up with uh, Doc Rivers in L.A., but still uh, it was definitely not the same type of game plan as uh, what that big three in Boston did back during that championship run. Yeah. Um, just a lot quicker, a lot more three-point shots, uh, just kind of out of the element for whatever Bradley uh, was used to in his most successful days. Yeah, and um, uh, Bradley's also suffered a few injuries last season. Um, and he's had those for the last few years, actually. So um, it's, he said he's 100% healthy and he's cut a, cut a lot of weight. So I'm looking really uh, I'm looking forward to the season. I'm like looking forward to see what Bradley can do. Uh, the Lakers also signed Dwight Howard yesterday after the Grizzlies completed, completed his buyout. Uh, Dwight never suited up for the Grizzlies after his trade from the Wizards, but he's coming to the Lakers with a fresh start. What's your thoughts on this deal, and did you like the move for the Grizzlies? I love the move for the Grizzlies because not only did they save dollars, uh, but they opened up another roster spot. So it's not going to be as competitive uh, in the front court. They can really start focusing on who's going to uh, perhaps be that first big off the bench, second big off the bench. Uh, not going to be as cluttered. But biggest thing is definitely the, the cap space, but they just keep shedding dollars. Uh, they've made a handful of deals this offseason. It's a lot more um, active of a free agency period and also just the whole front office in general. Uh, trade, signings, etc. Um, this new front office is for real, and they're looking to make deals, looking to get better, and they really want to jumpstart this rebuild. They don't want to take uh, two, three years, whatever it might be, in order to uh, start thinking about the playoffs. They want to get there as soon as possible, especially because they got John Morant now. they got Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron's going to be in the second year. Uh, if they wait another two or three years, well, Jaron's going to be thinking about free agency. So right now it's about rebuild as quickly as possible, try to get back to the playoffs, and really jumpstart this rebuild effort because uh, it is a small market, and they need to do whatever they can to keep Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis. 
Yeah, I really like the moves that the Grizzlies did this offseason. Um, I know Dwight never suited up for the Grizzlies, but what do you think Dwight can offer for the Lakers next season? I think at a minimum, as long as he's healthy and able to play, uh, definitely a big-time rebounder. Um, that's a huge thing that if he would have stayed with the Grizzlies, that I would have liked the most, uh, just because maybe he's not going to be as good as a, uh, of a shot blocker. That's fine because they do have uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. out there. Uh, but definitely rebounding. That was one of the few things that I just wasn't so impressed with Jaron last year. Um, yeah, he was a rookie, but he only averaged around four rebounds per game. Um, again, he only played about 50 um, games out of the 82-game season. Um, but still, I would have liked to see more rebounding for him, especially as he's one of the bigger guys on the roster. Then also with Mark Gasol, uh, last year before he was dealt, uh, Mark's never been one of those above-average rebounders. Um, he depended so many years on Zach Randolph and some of the other guys to do the rebounding work. Uh, it's crazy that he's typically the tallest guy on the roster, yeah. uh, but yet he was never at the very top for rebounding. Um, sometimes you look at like Zach Randolph or even Jermichael Green. That's yeah. where Green really made his money before uh, he got shipped off to Los Angeles to play for the Clippers. Um, but rebounding's definitely been a struggle. Uh, the Grizzlies are typically in the bottom five of the league in that category. Um, so that's where I really wish that Dwight Howard would have stayed, um, just to help with the rebounding. Now, if he can put all the drama aside and stuff like that, uh, maybe the Grizzlies will think like, man, if we could have you know, kept him around for a couple seasons, maybe that would have been nice. Uh, but ultimately, he's not young anymore. Um, he wouldn't have been in the full rebuild picture anyway. Yeah. And as most of my viewers know, I'm a big Laker fan. So I was, it's been a pretty weird day for me. I know a lot of the Laker fans have a lot against Dwight because he left after his loan season with the Lakers. And uh, they totally mortgaged their future for Dwight. They traded a bunch of first round picks and actually gave up Andrew Bynum as well in that deal. So the Lakers gave up a lot and then they lost him for nothing. So um, there's a lot of um, hate towards Dwight. And the, the, people still think that Dwight might get booed in his first game back at Staples. But I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing Dwight with the Lakers. Um, after Boogie went down, the Lakers had a hole, a backup center. And Dwight fits that pretty well. I know the Lakers also worked out Joe Kim Noah and Maurice Spates. And we'll talk a little bit about Noah later on. But I really like what Dwight can bring. Um, I think Dwight had the highest upside of the three. And, you know, he averaged – I think 13 points and nine rebounds last year. And a couple years ago, just he averaged 16 and 12. So uh, he can still put up numbers. And, you know, you talked about how he's kind of been a head case in the past. And, you know, the drama off the court is a big thing. So um, we have, the Lakers have a lot of veterans. I think Jared Dudley and how we talked about Avery Bradley, I think they can keep him in check. And I also think that Rajon Rondo and LeBron can be a big part of that. So hopefully Dwight has changed since the last time he was in, L in L.A., and I'm look, really looking forward to seeing Dwight. Um, I just talked a little bit about Noah. The Lakers passed on him for Dwight. Um, but you know what Noah was able to bring to the table. He played pretty well for the Grizzlies last year. And that might, I may, might even be a guy that the Grizzlies bring back um, with the roster spot open. Um, what are your thoughts on Joe Kim Noah? And what could he have brought to the table if the Lakers had chose him instead of Dwight? I really thought Joe Kim Noah was already on a fast ticket to L.A. as soon as DeMarcus Cousins went down. I even made a tweet about uh, watch out for Joe Kim Noah to go to the Lakers because I thought it was just going to be like a next-day thing. Yeah. Uh, 
But surprisingly, they did take a flyer on Dwight. And if Dwight is healthy, um, especially on the deal that he got being a non-guaranteed deal uh, for around $2.6 million, I mean, that's a major uh, positive for the Lakers fan base. I mean, it won't take a whole lot for uh, Dwight to actually make that worthwhile. And say so if it is a failed plan, uh, $2.6 million that's non-guaranteed, uh, you can find uh, you know, a better way out of that deal uh, if it would happen to turn sour. Uh, but for Joe Kim Noah, um, I think he would have been a great fit there in LA just because of the passion that he plays with, uh, the hustle that he plays with. He kind of fits right in there with Avery Bradley. They would have had a little bit of chemistry there too uh, just from playing uh, and being around each other this past season. But they're both defensive-minded. They're both dogs on the court. Uh, they're really good passers, playmakers. Uh, they can really think ahead of the play. They both got uh, a good basketball IQ out there. Uh, of course, Joe Kim Noah might not go out and score 20, uh, but he is going to live down there in the paint and just feed off dunks, putbacks, etc. Or also on defense, he's going to be blocking shots, altering shot attempts, and ultimately keeping some of those guards and wings um, out of the paint, too. That's uh, something that the Lakers really need in order to keep Anthony Davis and some of these other guys out of foul trouble. And I'm kind of iffy on where I would have chose. Um, I really like Noah and also like Dwight. But we've got Dwight, so I'm not complaining. Um, but who would you have chose if you could have had your choice, Dwight or Noah? I probably would have went with Joe Kim Noah just because he's a much more safe pick. Um, I think Noah probably could have been had for real cheap, too. I really thought that there would have been more suitors for Joe Kim Noah this agency period after he played so well with the Grizzlies. He had a handful of double-doubles last year. Um, I think he led the team in scoring a couple games, uh, blocked a bunch of shots. I mean, he really revived his career. And I don't know if it's just a matter of he's wanting a little bit more money and that's what's going on in the background, or if teams are just thinking, man, he's, you know, he's up in his 30s now. Uh, not really worth a risk, or maybe what will happen is kind of like last year, uh, wait for the first month or two to go by and then sign with the team. Yeah, uh, He could even go you know, half the season or more next year and sign with a playoff contender once some of those standings start to look more uh, solidified. Uh, so maybe that's what will happen with Joe Kim Noah. I know he's been seen on Instagram working out uh, quite a bit, especially being around like Chandler Parsons and some of those guys uh, that always stay out there in L.A. in the summer. Uh, so he's staying ready. Uh, plus, like I said, he's been in L.A. quite a bit. So if the Lakers or Clippers come calling, he'll just have to walk down the street. Yeah, and he played really well for the Grizzlies. So do you think the Grizzlies would consider bringing him back? I know they're a little bit short on center behind Valanchunas and Jackson. So um, would you bring Noah back if you were the Grizzlies? If at all possible, absolutely. Especially if it's for a cheap deal, kind of like what Dwight is getting there uh, with the Lakers. But uh, Miles uh, Plumlee is actually still on the roster. So he's pretty much in that backup center role, uh, probably third string, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also Ivan Rabb. Rabb can kind of play the power forward position, even though I see him more of a center. Uh, but he can bounce back and forth. Um, so right now, if they don't find a way to cut Miles Plumley, I don't think that there is a real way to get Joe Kim to re-sign with the Grizzlies, whether he wants to or not. Uh, it's really a numbers deal. Uh, the Grizzlies are still high on uh, head count on the roster right now. Um, so it will definitely be an interesting training camp, but I just don't think it's realistic to see Joe Kim return to Memphis. And the Grizzlies are trying to stockpile assets, so they traded for Andre Iudala this summer. 
and there's been reports that he might be bought out and pursue the Los Angeles Lakers or the Clippers. Um, but Iggy could also stay on board, and they might the Grizzlies might wait for a trade. What are your thoughts on this situation, and what do you expect to happen? Well, what I want to happen is Andre Iguodala actually stay with the Grizzlies until around the trade deadline, uh, not the full season. I think just uh, a lot of that veteran leadership and experience that he can really provide for these young guys uh, is invaluable. Um, I think that's definitely the biggest part with having him on there. Uh, if he does play or doesn't play during the season, uh, that's whatever. Um, I don't fully expect the Grizzlies to make the playoffs this year, although I think they will be a tad better than uh, what are these other um, analysts and experts are starting to predict for their season. Um, but I think that just everything he did for the Golden State Warriors, I think he's probably one of the strongest uh, voices in their locker room over those few championship runs that they've had um, this decade. So I think that he could really show John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Brandon Clark, some of these other young Grizzlies, uh, just kind of what it means to win and kind of get them into that winning routine. Uh, if you look at guys like Kobe Bryant, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, others in the league that are great legends, um, they just got that killer instinct. I think Andre Vidal has seen a lot uh, with like Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, etc., and even himself uh, being a finals MVP of the past. Uh, he's been in those moments, and he can really show those guys like, hey, this is the difference between uh, being a winner, being a legend, and also uh, not being very good, being bounced out of the playoffs, and going fishing uh, even earlier in the season. Um, especially if you look at his days back with the Sixers, once AI and Weber got out of there, uh, they weren't making the playoffs all the time. Um, you know, he's kind of seen it all, and now he's you know been in the limelight, winning championship rings all the time. So he can really give a lot of that instruction to Jaron and John and some of those other guys. Uh, kind of show them, hey, it's either going to be this or it can be this. Um, so I think that's the biggest part that I'm looking forward to. I really hope that they do keep them this season. And the Grizzlies do have a few vets on the roster with Jonas Valanciunas, Jay Crowder, and Kyle Anderson, and also Solomon Hill. But they do have a lot of young players. They're a rebuilding team, so they're some of their best players are their youngest players. And um, I think Josh Jackson could really learn a lot from Andre Gudala if they kept him on board. Um, I just really think that that would be beneficial for the Grizzlies. I'm not sure if Iguodala wants that or if the team wants that, but um, I think that he in particular would really benefit from Iguodala staying on the roster. And I also think Dylan Brooks. He's been in the league a few years now, but I really think that with Iguodala he could have a career season. Um, So what do you think about Josh Jackson? I know he's been – had a – few rough seasons with the Phoenix Suns, and now he comes with the Grizzlies. What do you expect from him this year, and do you think he can be um, have a role with the team? Right now, I'm not sure if we can expect anything just because of everything that's transpired since even the end of the uh, sophomore season, the 2018-2019 season for Josh Jackson, uh, just because of how he has been off, uh, off the court. Uh, even though he got some charges dropped, it's like, does he really want to play basketball? Uh, he's got to show a lot in training camp. If he just kind of just walks in there, uh, he's real lazy in training camp, doesn't show a lot of effort or interest, um, he's going to be one of those guys that might even get cut. Uh, but now if he comes in there, he's really rejuvenated, maybe he's had that wake-up call uh, that he needs in order to be successful. If that's the case, then definitely. I mean, he's got the potential uh, to still be a star in the league. Uh, just two years ago, he was taking 
fourth overall in the draft. And just like last year, Jaron Jackson Jr., he's the fourth overall pick. And here we are talking about him being face of the franchise and also um, one of those unicorn-type players that might wind up being a top-five player in the league. Um, so, yeah, if Josh Jackson lives up to this potential, winds up producing like a number four overall pick should, uh, that could be huge for the Grizzlies' rebuild moving forward. That could be one of those fourth or fifth guys that really rounds out the starting lineup, uh, much like that grit and grind era uh, when the Grizzlies had Randolph Gasol, Conley, and Allen. Yeah, and I was really high on Josh Jackson coming out of college. I mean, at Kansas, he was really productive, and I was really excited to see what he could do at the next level. And he was even a guy that the Lakers were considering with the second pick. Uh, so I was a really big Josh Jackson fan at the time. I really hope he can turn it around. But it's just a shame how uh, he hasn't been able to um, contribute on the court. And then his antics off the court have been uh, really rough and hasn't been beneficial at all towards him. So I'm really hoping that he can bounce back. And, you know, he's even had instances in college. I know that was a pretty big concern uh, when he was coming out and going to the NBA draft. Um, so I really hope that he can turn this around make the roster, and have a decent role with the team. Uh, but this team's full of projects. I know Ivan Rabb, he was really highly regarded uh, coming into college. Then he's, I think he's, was he the one that stayed a season, came out of sophomore season? Yes. Okay. With uh, California. Yeah, and Rabb was uh, really highly regarded and could have been a lottery pick if he left after his uh, freshman season, but decided to come back for a second year and was a second rounder. So um, he's a guy that, They've invested a lot in. I think that um, he hasn't even lived up to ex- expectations so far. So, um, and you know they're not really projects, but they're guys who have to you have to work with them a lot. Is John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and also Tyus Jones, who they just brought in this summer. So uh, they have a lot of learning to go on, um, and I really think that this team can be interesting to watch. Um, but who do you believe steps up and takes their game to a next level this year? We saw Valentunas play really well last year. Uh, Jackson was really good as a rookie. But who do you think will be the leader for the team this year? I'm really hoping that's Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, I would say John Morant. But right now, you know, since he is a uh, NBA rookie to be, uh, can't really uh, put a lot of expectation on his shoulders yet. I mean, even if you look at rookies like Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, can't really ask a whole lot now because you haven't seen the very first game of the league. Uh, but I really think it's got to be Jaron Jackson Jr. Just because he was sat after um, NBA All-Star weekend uh, to an injury that the Grizzlies just want to be precautious with. So he did a whole lot of watching, learning, watching tape. Uh, even talked about it with Vince Carter on uh, national TV during the playoffs about all the watching film that he's been doing. Uh, just listening, asking questions. That was the biggest thing that he told Vince Carter uh, was the most meaningful to, to him and all the vets that he was surrounded by, uh, just asking questions. And Vince Carter even agreed that uh, whenever he was coming up to the league, uh, the best advice that he could give Jaron was to keep asking questions, uh, keep watching tape and watching some of these players that have become legends in the NBA. But I think that since he's got one season under his belt, um, I think that will be huge for Jaron. Now I just hope they starts to focus in on leadership, uh, rallying his troops, especially since he's the face of the franchise. Now, that might change a little bit once John Morant uh, starts to become a you know, solid point guard in the NBA, or so I hope. Um, but it would be nice to have, even like OKC had, like a KD, Russell Westbrook tandem right there. Uh, both guys can still be 
faces of the franch- uh, franchise, even if they have to share that title in Memphis. Uh, but definitely being a small market, huge opportunity for both guys. Uh, this offseason, they've been all over social media. Uh, they've been marketed all over the place by not just the Grizzlies, but also the NBA, uh, different corporate partners of the NBA. Uh, so it's a big opportunity, but I especially hope that Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, seizes this opportunity because uh, the time is now for him. Uh, even though he is slightly younger than John Morant in terms of actual age, um, he's already had one season under his belt. He knows kind of what the mood should be going into training camp because he did get to spend um, that training camp last year with Marcus Gasol, Mike Conley, some of these other long-time vets. Uh, so he knows the expectations. Now it's, him, it's time for him to actually step up and lead these guys. And I am really looking forward to seeing what Jackson can do this year. Uh, you saw he had a 36-point game last season as a rookie, so uh, hopefully he can have a couple more of those, and we'll be talking about him a lot more. Um, and something we've been talking about a little bit the last few days is um, NBA to Louisville. Um, there's a possibility of the Kentucky Colonels bring, going back to the NBA after being gone for since the 70s when they were with the ABA. Um, Dan Essel is a president. I know the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest Kentucky Wildcat of all time. Uh, has over 27,000 points in his career as a professional uh, basketball player. So he, he knows a little bit about it, what he's doing. He's also the coach for the Denver Nuggets for a while. So uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do because he has so many connections. So I think if anyone can do it, uh, Dan Essel can bring the Colonels back. Um, I'm really excited about this. I went to a meeting in Louisville with the Young Professional Association of Louisville, and they talked. They had um, NBA Tulu back, um, and they were um, talked a little bit about it, and had some board members speaking about it. And it was really awesome to hear their thoughts and see people passionate about bringing um, NBA to the bluegrass. So I was really, really excited about this, and I know you are too. So I want to uh, hear your thoughts on. Um, the Kentucky Colonels coming back to Louisville? I definitely hope that the NBA does return to Louisville. Um, You see a lot of people talk about Seattle and how Seattle deserves a team, how they already have an arena. Well, Louisville actually has an arena too, and it can seat almost 23,000 people. Uh, And plus it's a lot newer, and that's what a lot of these cities – um, are starting to go to. They're wanting newer arenas. They're wanting the best the best technology. Uh, they've already got an arena that uh, hosts all kinds of huge sporting events, such as uh, like NCAA tournament games, the Final Four, etc. Um, even when they had NBA preseason there several um, years, I think it's been three summers now they've had NBA preseason there, uh, even though they didn't for this past year. Um, a lot of these coaches star players, et cetera, that I've interviewed when they come to Louisville. Um, I ask them about the arenas and um, what they think about, like, which cities deserve a team, uh, which might not be quite ready. Uh, they always say that NBA to Louisville absolutely needs to happen. Uh, great fans here, great basketball culture. Um, the arena is amazing. They've got locker rooms that look just like any other uh, NBA locker room that you might pick out, whether it's Los Angeles Lakers, Indiana Pacers, et cetera. Um, everything is, it feels like a NBA atmosphere to them. Um, and so far, every, uh, every player I've ever asked, and even the coaches too, uh, they always just say that, man, I could really see the NBA playing regular season basketball here. Um, that's exactly what uh, the city of Louisville hopes happens here in uh, short order. 
whenever the NBA comes knocking, uh, hopefully that Louisville will be one of the cities to get a team. And a big thing that they emphasize at the meeting is that they want to be prepared. So if the NBA does come calling, that they want to be ready and immediately say yes and have people ready to um, put money in to buy uh, shares of the team so they can get this going. Um, and they were really informative in this meeting. They were talking about how it would help the economy uh, in Louisville and it also would lower taxes a little bit. So this was uh, something that the people of Louisville should really be looking into. Um, I'm I'm really excited about it, and I hope that more people in Louisville get excited and want to make this happen. Um, but you talked a little bit about Seattle, but another team that maybe would have an expansion roster if they decide to do that would be Las Vegas. So if it would definitely if they want to go 34, I think those teams would definitely be a part of it. Um, but if you're going to bring those teams in, you have to have a team out east. So I think that uh, Louisville would definitely have a shot at that, and I think that with them bringing starting this organization and bringing them together and already starting to talk about it, I think that they would definitely be in um, high consideration. Um, and there's not a whole lot of cities that would make a whole lot of sense out east. Um, maybe Cincinnati or Tampa. Um, there's, there's some other cities, uh, Baltimore maybe, but I'm, you think of them as a football city. So uh, I don't really know um, which teams out east would make more sense than Louisville. Um, but I think that if they bring a team to Seattle or Las Vegas, that Louisville should be the team in the Eastern Conference to be represented. Um, and, Devin, uh, I would like to point out that if you look at some of these TV rankings for, like, say, the NBA draft, NBA playoffs, NBA finals, etc., cetera, um, Louisville is always right there. Sometimes they're the number one viewing city. Uh, other times they're always top five. Um, but people love NBA basketball. They're in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, sometimes they're watching like all these uh, Kentucky Wildcats that are coming out of uh, John Calipari's camp there in Lexington. Um, other times it's, you know, Indiana's known for all their basketball. Indiana's right there across the river. Um, that whole culture, you know, they love basketball. It's not just college basketball. It's uh, high school basketball, college, pro. It's everything out there. Um, now you got guys like Romeo Langford that's right across the river from Louisville. Uh, now he's playing with the Boston Celtics. This will bring more attention, more fans in, like whenever Romeo Langford and the Boston uh, Celtics would have to uh, like come to Louisville and play the Colonels. Uh, then you get all these former Cats, even the former Cards like Terry Rozier. Um, say if Russ Smith gets back in the league, uh, they might have a, you know, like 10,000 people show up just to watch Russ Smith back in the Yum Center. I mean, that is huge for uh, the Louisville Cardinals fan base. Um, all of this plays into people packing the um center and uh, keeping NBA uh, basketball in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, and like I mentioned, with looking across the river, uh, you've got Jeffersonville just right there aligned with Louisville. And what a lot of people probably don't realize is that Jeffersonville has been at one point over the last five years uh, the fastest growing city in the, uh, in the United States. Um, lots of new businesses going in, lots of new auto suppliers, things like that. Uh, but just thousands and thousands of jobs are being placed now in Jeffersonville, and it's right across from Louisville. So not only is it bringing more residents to the Louisville area, uh, but also an NBA team will open up even more doors for employment. Um, it will boost the economy, give a lot more business to restaurants, um, other businesses, especially local business around the area. Uh, I don't see why this would not allow Louisville to thrive even more than what it is now. Yeah, and that is something they talked about at the meeting. They said that um, 
that the ratings were very high whenever um, they were looking at it for the NBA game. So I think that the NBA looks at that, and they'll see that, wow, people actually do pay attention in Louisville, and they'll want to see that. And you talked about how um, UK fans and Louisville fans will be very interested. I think that – I know the Wildcat fans travel. You know, I'm kind of a – I'm a Kentucky basketball fan. I, I don't really watch a whole lot of college, but when I watch college, I usually root for, root for Kentucky. So um, I think that um, the fans in Lexington would definitely take the short drive down to Louisville and uh, watch, like, go see Anthony Davis with the Lakers. And even imagine if LeBron James comes at the town with the uh, Lakers. People are going to travel and go exactly. see LeBron. So, uh, and they talked about that as well in the meeting. So I think that – and but there was a whole lot of stuff that they talked about in the meeting that I can't share all that right now because we don't have enough time, and I, don't, I actually don't remember <laughs> all of it. Um, but they shared a lot, and they seemed like they're really passionate about it. Um, but something that's concerning to me – um, I was actually went to one of the preseason games in Louisville. Um, I can't. It was um, the Timberwolves and the Heat. They played, and uh, there nobody came to the game. There was um, we had upper arena tickets. And we just bought them last second, and there were so there was hardly any people there. So they moved this down lower arena. So I think that that also plays a part, and they got to see that. Um, people want to go to the games. Actually, that people, it's different from people watching at home and then people actually showing up to the arena. So, uh, I think that if there's if we have the opportunity to have another preseason game, I'm not sure if they do or not in Louisville this year. Um, but I think that if they want this to happen, then fans need to pack the arena and show that they're very passionate about this and want to see this happen. Absolutely, um, and I will say that it is preseason basketball. Uh, so it is definitely a different crowd than regular season basketball. But, you know, I can't disagree with fans in Louisville. If they truly want NBA to show up, I mean, they are going to have to go out and support it um, whenever it does come to town, regardless of if it's preseason or regular season. Um, but, of course, if a team would actually get here, I think it would have a better turnout in general uh, just because, you know, this is the home team finally. We don't have, like, the Miami Heat minus uh, Wade, Bosch, and LeBron just like this last time. <laughs> whenever it showed up, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot more interest in it, uh, a lot more enthusiasm behind it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's still a work in progress for sure. But um, I still think that Louisville has a really good shot at landing an NBA team, and I think it would be successful. Yeah, I do too. So I'm really looking forward to that. And um, if they do have that, we can have another podcast and talk about it. Uh, Christian, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been really a pleasure talking to you. Um, I've really enjoyed talking about the Grizzlies. Even though I'm not the biggest fan, I really enjoy talking about you and give me some information for the Lakers. Um, and I hope everybody checks out Christian's work. He does a great job. Um, and make sure you check him out. And I would absolutely love to have you back on sometime. It was really fun talking to you. Thanks for having me, Evan. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Check out all of my shows on my site, balltalkpod.com, your favorite podcast platforms, and all my social media outlets.